Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. What were the trees that he was able to eat from? Every tree of the garden. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you will eat of it, and you shall surely die. How's that for encouragement? Um, Notice that the odds were stacked for us. The odds were not stacked against us. God said you can eat of every tree. That means you had multiple trees that you can eat from. Here's the only thing that I'm saying. He didn't didn't say you can only eat of one tree and you can't eat. He could have easily said that. You can't eat from anything except one tree. He said you can eat from any tree but except one. And I want to jump into another passage of Scripture in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 23. And it says, we are allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for us to do. How many know that's the truth? We're allowed to do anything, but not all things help us grow strong as Christians. I want to read it from another version, and it says it this way. It says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. Help me pray today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We ask that you speak today, O God, through this mouth, O God. That you may use me as a vessel, O God. Less of me, more of you, until there's none of me and all of you. That your strength may be perfected in my weakness. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone shouts. Amen. Why don't you give God a praise one more time in this house? I just want to use a quick illustration before I get into today's message. We are going to be accompanied with a panel today. So I'm just going to speak for about 10 minutes and I'm going to introduce our panel today. Um, But how many of you guys have experienced annoying little siblings? Right? If if you're an older brother or if you're a middle child, you have the best of both worlds. And you got an annoying, like they have a a, a unique gift, annoying little siblings. Like, Like they think their purpose in life is to torment you. You know what I'm saying? Like, what ha- Like, what ha- Like, my, I, I promise you, Selah, Selah enjoys. Like, Selah gets high off of annoying her, her, her brother. You had to see Jeremiah before Amariah was born. He was a certified Christian gangster. And then Amariah was born, and he, she just wore him out. He's like, I'm, I'm, I, wanna, I need Jesus right now. Please, someone save me. Um, but if you know anything about annoying, like I, I remember Lisa telling me a story about her brother. He would pin her down, and he would pin her down, and then he would use his milk spit. And he would let his, I know it's disgusting. Some of you guys have done it, so don't lie. Um, he, would, he would take his milk spit and let it stretch as far as it could, and then slurp it back up. Someone say, ew. Right? Torment her, right? That, that, that's what happened, like. And I don't know about you, when you get frustrated at your siblings and your brothers, what do you, what do you say? Like at one point or another, you're like, don't touch me. <laughs> For whatever reason, like don't, don't, don't touch me, right? And you do it with your, with your mouth closed. You say that, don't touch me. Like you, you have your teeth clenched, right? And, and what, what do they do, right? They have the anointing. So what do they do? They, they, they listen to what you say because they don't touch you, but they go, I'm not touching you. 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 Don't, don't touch me. I'm not. But I'm not touching you. you. I know. I'm not touching. Don't, don't touch. Get away from me. But I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Some of you guys were the annoying little sibling, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look at Melinda's like, that's right. That's why God put me on earth. Um, you, know, you know what I find it interesting? Because I also see that that also carries on even as adults, like, like, let's be honest, sometimes we read, I, I think sometimes we read the scriptures and, and we're like, we just want to follow the rules. And so what was the rule? Don't touch me. And so I'm following the rule, but I'm not following the heart of the message. 
And so we're following the letter of the law, but we're not following the heart of the message, right? So I'm not touching you, but the heart is, hey, stop annoying me. But, oh, but I'm not touching you. And sometimes it's like we're, 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 we're at the line, and so it's not a sin, and it's not bad to be, to be around the line. It's only bad when we cross the line. But sometimes we kind of want to just walk around the line. And I see this as no different because when we look at uh, the story of Adam and Eve, what do we see? God says, do not eat of the fruit. But I wonder how they got near the fruit in the first place. See, sometimes we think it's, okay, I'm not eating of the fruit. The Bible says that God told them, you can eat of any tree in the garden except this one. And so they chose to be around the tree. See, sometimes we're not eating of the fruit, but we're hanging around the tree. You ever wonder, see, if they were eating of the fruit, all the other trees that they could have eaten from or ate from and not been near the tree... They would have never got tempted. But many times we place ourselves, well, it's not a sin to be around the tree. I'm just around the tree. I'm not eating of its fruit. I'm just around the tree. Look at, look at me. I'm, I'm just, but, this is not a sin, pastor. There's nothing wrong with being around the tree. You're right. There's nothing wrong with being around the tree. God didn't say you can't be around the tree. He just said you can't eat of its fruit. But many times wisdom would say, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be around the tree. I, I like the kids because kids play games and they go, you ever walked into the room and you're like, can you stop jumping on the bed? Like you ever let, yelled so loud that you couldn't even f finish your sentence? Can you stop jumping up on the bed? You start skipping airs, right? And, and you walk in and you say, stop jumping on the bed. And, and then you walk back out and then you hear the noise. Uh, you hear noise again and you're like, you ask God for patience, you say a couple of Hail Marys, you walk back into the room, and you say, what did I say? Stop jumping on the bed. And they look at you and they say, well, I'm not, jump I'm not jumping, I'm running on the bed. But I said stop jumping, I, we, we listened to what you said. I stopped jumping on the bed. But see, they followed the letter, they followed what you said, they followed the rule, but they missed the message. I think so many times it's not so much that we're not following the rules. Many times we want to follow the rules, but many times we also miss the message. Because the rule was, hey, stop jumping on the bed. Well, they followed the rule, but they missed the message because the message was stop horsing around. Stop playing around. Hey, you might get hurt. Hey, if you're running on the bed, you might trip and fall. Hey, we're not jumping on the bed. We're running on the bed. Oh, so we're following the rule, but we're missing the message, and I also think that this is kind of like what happened with Adam and Eve. They, 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 they may have followed the rule for a long time, but maybe for a long time they were just circling around the tree. You, you ever been curious and just circled around the tree? Like, you know you're not doing something wrong, but maybe you shouldn't be there. Oh, we got some self-righteous people in the house don't need Jesus. Hey, we don't need altar call. Worship team, come back. Oh, we're good. Like, oh, no. Like, we, we just around the tree. But we're not doing nothing wrong. We just around the tree. And, and, and let's be honest. They were allowed to be around the tree. See, they were allowed to be around the tree, but they were assigned to eat from other trees. And so I want to give you, you can live your life to one of two ways. Here's number one. You can live your life this way. You can live your life being permitted to do what you want or life being submitted to do what God wants. Can you write that down in your notes? You can live a life being permitted to do what you want or you can live a life being submitted to do what God wants. And when you live a life submitted to do what God wants, you don't ask so much what you can get away with. You ask, what is it that's going to help me grow? What is it that's going to push me closer to his purpose? What is it that's going to help me grow more like Jesus? And so I don't want to live a life that God permits me to do whatever I want. I want to live a life that's submitted to do whatever God's, God wants. And then you ask this question, put this, do we have that? Is this loving towards others, and is this wise for myself? 
Is this loving towards others? See, when you live a life submitted to do what God wants, you're asking the question, is this good for others? Is this loving towards others? And is this wise for myself? Is this loving towards others? And is this wise for myself? I genuinely make most of the decisions in my life based upon these two principles, love and wisdom. See, because many times love would put you in a situation, but if it's tempered and balanced by wisdom, you can do both. See, it's not so much just, well, wisdom is, I'm not going to do this. Wisdom, and many times we use wisdom as an excuse for our fears. But if we use love, love will make us cross boundaries. Love will make us go deeper. But wisdom might say, hey, do it carefully. Does that make sense? And so you're asking the question, hey, is this wise for me? But many times if you're saying something is wise for you, but it's hurting some other people, it's not for you. Oh, this, this is wise for me. I got to get mine. I got to do whatever. But if it's hurting other people, it's not what God intended for your life. And so when you live a life submitted, you're asking the question, is this helping me grow? Is this, is this de developing godly character? Is this bringing me closer to Jesus? Is this helping me love other people? Do I look more like Jesus making this decision? Is it okay to do this? Hmm. Do I become more like Jesus by doing it? And so I want to give you three questions that we can use as a criteria to answer some of the questions of, is it okay? Number one is, write this down. And I really want to encourage you to write this down because You'll get, like, VIP seats in heaven if you do. Number one, what does God say about it? What does God say about it? What does God's word say about it? What does God, say that with me. What does God's word, oh, man, you guys are not in sync. You are like the Backstreet Boys. What does God's word say about it? See, many times we, we need to go through the scriptures to understand it. Well, should I be doing this? And we give advice and it's not according to God's word. And we're giving advice based upon experience. But if you give advice based upon experience, then your experience is something different. And someone else's experience is something different. And then there is no truth. But God's word is truth and it's alive and well. So I have to ask the question, well, what does God's word say about it? Number two, what do spiritually mature and wiser people say about it? And I'll be honest, Kuhau, it's so important that when you're going to make decisions that maybe you're not sure of, you not only visit if it got, what does God's word say about it, but you ask someone who is spiritually more mature than you or wiser than you. Now, if you're the wisest person around your circle, you need to get new friends and stop following Drake's advice. If you're always the wisest person in your circle, then you need to get around wiser people to help you get a little further than where you are right now. I want to be honest with you. Some of us in this room need to approach someone and say, hey, I know you've been serving God a lot longer than me. I know you've been connected to God. I know you're sp more spiritually mature than me. Can you be my accountability partner? Can you be my mentor? Can you be the person that I can approach and ask questions? Now, i got to be honest with you. I know, maybe some of you are like, all right, I'm going to see you after church, Pastor Rowe. No. There's plenty of people that we can reach out to. Um, I, I honestly believe I, only, I can only really lead 12 people. I, I, and my leaders know that. I can only lead 12 people. I, I, I'm not trying to do more than Jesus. I'm doing 12 people, Jesus did 12 people, I'm doing 12 people. If somebody skips out, if Judas skips out, yeah, we got another one in. Come on, let's go. We, got, we can fit another one. They did that in the Bible. They replaced Judas with Matthias. I'm just trying to follow the scriptures. Um, but you can approach someone and say, hey, man, I need mentorship. I love Ronnie. Uh, two years ago, Ronnie approached me and Ronnie said, hey, man, I didn't know him from a hole in the wall. I didn't know him. He just came up to me. He said, hey, man, I'm looking for a mentor. I said, that's nice. That's good. I'm glad. No, he's like, I, 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 I've been following you, and I just I want to see if you can be my mentor. And I said, well, get around us. I didn't say yes. I didn't say no. I just said, get around us. I said, first, you have to get around us. And he said, hey, man, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be mentored by you. Listen, 
this, this brother hounds me. Hey, Pastor O, can, can, we, can we organize a date? Can we organize a date? Can we? And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. Get around someone that can mentor you. Get around a big brother, a big sister that can mentor you, that you can call on and say, no, and really establish that relationship. Hey, can you be my spiritual mentor? Look at some of the leaders in our church and say, hey, can you be my spiritual accountability partner? That when I'm going through life decisions, I can ask you, maybe it's your community group leader. Maybe it's your serve team leader. Maybe it's someone in the dream team. Say, hey, can, I, can you hold me accountable and can I ask you these questions when I'm going through rough situations? I want you essentially be my, my pastor, kind of like my leader. I want you to be that for me. Amen? And, and the, last, the last thing I think it's important for you to ask is, is this the wise decision for me? See, some of us are good at giving advice, but if we would only follow the advice that we give others... Come on. Some of you, yo, we're so good. Yo, how many, how many of you guys gave some good advice and you were like, you were surprised at how good that advice was? You were like, man, if I would just follow this stuff, I'd be straight. Oh, that sounded so good that like I could, like Oprah could be using this stuff right here. This was good. Right? And so sometimes you got to ask, you got to say, what does the Bible say about it? Hey, let me, let me check out my spiritual mentor and maybe people that are a little further along in the journey. Like I have, I have a pastor that pastors 2,000 people that, le- that helps me, that, that mentors me. I have a pastor that also leads 400 people and that pastor mentors me. And so these are people that are far. And then I have another pastor that holds me accountable that we have about the same amount of people in our church. And we just hold each other accountable and we're growing together and we're building one another I have that and then I have to make sure based upon what the scriptures say based upon what my spiritual mentors say we've been in meetings and my leadership knows this we've been in meetings discussing things and I said hold on let me ask my pastor what his advice is and it just so happened that what he advised was what our leaders were saying in the first place that wasn't funny guys guys and, and so we followed that because he's further along in the journey and I'm going to take his word um, based upon my feelings. And sometimes you just got to honor your mentorship, um, honor your me- leadership, even if it's not in agreement with what you want to do. And obviously follow your own advice. Make the wisest decision. And I want to give you the scripture that says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So again, I want to leave these three questions here for now. And I want you to help me welcome our panel for today, Ruben and Maylene, that are going to come forward. Let's give them a round of applause. Come on. We're going to do our very best to answer these questions. And again, we're going we're gonna to follow this criteria. And, and sometimes, simply put, it's this way. Let me sit in that corner right there. Yeah, you sit where the one that says banana. Um, and sometimes we're asking the question, well, I'm not disobeying God. And so we see, the, we see the Bible that way. Am I obeying God? Am I disobeying God? Well, I'm not disobeying, so I'm good. But I want to add a third equation to that scenario, which is, Am I obeying God? Am I disobeying God? And maybe you should be asking yourself this. Am I walking around the tree? Mm. Am I obeying God? And so maybe you need to examine and evaluate some of the things that we do in life. It's not so much, we, it's not so much black and white. It's not so much am I obeying God and disobeying well, not Technically, I'm not disobeying God. Yeah, maybe you're not. But are you walking around the tree? And remember, I don't want to live a life that... That it's God permitting me what I'm allowed to do. I want to live a life where I'm submitted to what God has assigned for me to do. Amen? How many of you guys tired, just tired of, of going around the same tree in the same circle in the loop in the loop? And you just want, like, you get to a point in life where you're like, I just want what God wants from me. Amen? Amen? Come on, I dare you to give God some praise in this room. All right. So... We're going to jump into it real quick. We have about 20 minutes, and uh, <clears throat> let's start with this question. One of the most popular questions, let's put that up. Number one, these are the substance questions. Is it a sin to drink alcohol? Is it a sin to smoke weed? 
Is it a sin? Can you guys see me here? I know you guys want to see my beautiful face. Um, is it a sin to smoke weed? Is it a sin to smoke cigarettes? And, and I guess, can we give it up for Maylene Miranda? She's amazing. This woman is so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And Ruben, we all know. Uh, so we'll start this way. Well, I just, I, you know, I just, I, I, you know, I just gave you honor. You see what he said about the brother gets it worse? Yeah. <laughs> see? <laughs> I didn't mean to come out that yeah, way. Ruben. It's just, yeah, Ruben. <laughs> It's just, it was yeah, here last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they love you. You see, Maylene um, Miranda. So we asked the, the substance questions, and we're gonna we're kind of pairing them together, but we're gonna just break them down quickly. Is it a is it a sin to drink alcohol? I get, I get the good questions, right? Um, so. If we're going to go by the criteria that we, um, Pastor Will just laid out for us, and the first thing would be, what does the Bible say about drinking alcohol? Um, if you go to Ephesians 5.18, um, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We also have 1 Peter 4, 2-3. It says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunk, drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. That sounds really heavy, right? <laughs> I'm going to give you the short version of all that. The answer is, no, no. Um, drinking alcohol, it is not a sin. Um, what the Bible does say, as we have just read in the scripture, is not to be a drunkard. Um, not to be drunk. Um, I, believe it or not, was a really heavy drinker. No. I'm telling you guys before. Stop it. BC, I thought, before I Christ. You were born saved. <laughs> you can't lie from the pulpit. Before Christ, I was a party girl. So Ooh. I will, I will Did you say. Party quit real quick. Yo, let her answer, man. No, no, we're not. <laughs> we're only talking about my. We actually got a picture. No, no. we don't. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't want to see that. <laughs> Um, but seriously, the, the answer is no. The answer is no, it is not a sin to drink alcohol. But I will say this, um, and I always go to the Apostle Paul, and if you guys ever heard my relationship with Apostle Paul, it wasn't always a good one. Um, me and Pastor Will had a conversation when I first got saved. Um, I was like, Apostle Paul, I don't know about that guy. Mind you, he wrote most of the New Testament. <laughs> but he does say this, and I take his words. Um, he does speak about being a stumbling block for others. Mm. Um, so what may be, and he also talks about things that are permitted, not, that, not everything's a sin, but also not everything's beneficial with pastoral also covered. Um, so for me, uh, personally, it's a personal conviction of mine um, that I do not, not that I do not, I may have, right, let me be transparent, I may have a glass of wine at dinner if I go out on a date with my husband. Um, but I also know my limit. So if I know that that second glass is going to distort my mind, I'm not taking it. Because the Bible calls us not to, become, not to be drunkards. Um, also, if I'm in the presence of someone who struggles with alcohol, and there's alcohol present, as a believer in Christ, as knowing that God has redeemed me, I will not drink. Um, because the Bible calls us to love one another. Mm. And it also calls us not to be a stumbling block for the next person. Um, the Apostle Paul specifically speaks about it in, in a verse that talks about meat. When people ask him about eating certain types of meat, you know how some religions don't eat pork? It's one of those things where I have sat at a table with somebody who does not eat pork. I eat pork, guys. I eat penil, you name it. I'm shoving it down my, you know? But if, if I know that that's going to cause somebody else to not hear me and who Christ is, I won't do it. Yeah. Um, and it's not because I'm not free. It's because I was called not to be a stumbling block for somebody else. And even the perfect example, I know real quick, even with Ruben, when I, I don't know if you guys ever noticed, I have a nose ring. No. <laughs> um, I got it después de vieja, we're going to wow. say. <laughs> I got it in my like, 30s crisis. after I had Jeremiah. Midlife. Um, and, my, and when Ruben noticed it, Ruben was just new too, I think, to the faith. And Ruben was like, oh, you got a nose ring? And I looked at him, I said, yeah, I do. And he was like, oh, all right. And I was like, listen. And I had a serious conversation with him. I said, hey, 
if this deter, because I was a worshiper regularly here, right? I said, hey, if this deters you from Jesus, I'll take it off. Wow. And I'm not saying that to toot my horn. I'm saying that because I know that sometimes things that we that we're permitted to do may not benef- may not be beneficial across the board. Yeah. So if that if me having a nose ring is going to detour somebody from knowing who God is, then hey, I count it all as loss. You know. Yeah. So that's the uh, awesome. short answer, really. And so you got a nose ring, and he got two holes in his ears now. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next question we, we, you know, is it a sin to smoke weed? And uh, again, we're going to kind of go through the criteria here. Well, what does the Bible say about it? And many times we look at this passage found in um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. And it says, then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Lord, take control. It, it wasn't the weed of knowledge. <laughs> it says, then God said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Now, a lot of times that scripture is used because, hey, God made weed, therefore it's good for you. Well, I hear that, but then I'm like, well, then why don't you use some of the poisonous plants in your life, too? What are some of the poisonous plants called? Poison ivy. <laughs> God made that plant, too, right? Uh, and so when you look at the scriptures, that's not what that scripture means. Uh, it's particularly about, it talks about the fruits of the plant, the seed-bearing plants, the fruit of the plant. And God has given us to benefit from it. Um, and to eat it, not to smoke it, but to eat it. <laughs> All right? Um, and so he, here's the thing about, uh, we live in a day and age, and I'll try to answer this as quickly as possible because we, we have about 15 minutes left. Here, here's the thing about uh, when we touch on weed, we, at one point in time, we could, like, everybody's paying attention. Everybody's like. I've never seen that's, anybody pay attention like that's this. That's because it's before. about to be legalized. That's yeah, so we live in a day, at one point in time, at one point in time, we, you know, the Bible says that you have to follow the rules of the land. And so at one point in time, hey, it's illegal, and so therefore, we, we shouldn't be doing it because it's illegal. Uh, but we are coming to an age where I believe within the next five years, I would even say sooner, maybe the next two or three years, it's going to be legalized. And we also have the question of medicinal usage. And so here's what I want us to consider when it comes to, um, when it comes to marijuana. Uh, mano, there's no denying the effects, the psycho effects that it, have, that it has on your mind. And I had some, some information here that I wanted to just to give us. For marijuana, much lower dosage is needed to induce a state of int- intoxication. And so if you value your mind as much as the Bible values your mind, you don't want to alter your mind. Can I give you some scripture? Here's some scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And some of you guys are like, I get real spiritual when I smoke weed. No, this is not what we're talking about. <laughs> This is not what we're talking about. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Well, what was the mind of Christ? Christ was about his assignment. Christ was about his purpose. Christ accomplished more in three years than any human being in the face of the earth. And so let this mind be in you as it was also in Christ. Listen, when you know how much the scriptures value your mind, you're not looking to alter it in any way, shape, or form. Amen? Amen? Uh, First Peter, this is one of Jesus' right-hand men. He says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
And so here you have Peter saying, hey, listen, man, be sober-minded. In other words, not affected, not influenced by anything that will alter your mind in any way. So it's not just limited to weed. It's limited, it's, it's inclusive of anything that's going to alter your mind, anything that's going to numb your mind, anything that's going to have some effect that takes away any control you have of your mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Amen? And a lot of times when we are looking to participate in marijuana, it's usually us escaping from something. And let me tell you, when you start escaping and using a drug to escape, you're avoiding and you're limiting God to what he can do in your life because you're numbing the pain. Amen. And so you want to be able to take that. No, if I need, if I'm trying to constant run away from these thoughts, then I'm not submitting every thought captive to the reality of Christ. I'm not submitting my thoughts captive. What am I doing? I'm numbing the thoughts because I'm allowing myself to be numbed and allow this effect on my mind. Now, I, I believe it takes about four puffs of weed for you to be some, for it to have any influence on you. And this is scientifically proven. Uh, again, I'm not a scientist, but it's, and you do the research, you'll see after the, the fourth puff. Now, I don't know anyone that smokes weed for two puffs. I'm good. <laughs> the whole purpose of it is with the intention of becoming high, of getting high, of, of alleviating the pain, of, of limiting stress. And now we ask medicinal. What about medicinal? Well, the Bible does say that the Apostle Paul ask, actually prescribed wine for digestive issues. He said to Timothy, he said, hey, man, you should take some um, wine to help you with your stomach. And so for medicinal reasons, hey, if it's prescribed by a doctor, maybe that's still something that you should evaluate. Maybe it is permissible for you. Maybe it is beneficial for you to do it. Now, I know that there's a difference between smoking weed and medicinal weed because there's, there's the difference between CBD and THC. And the THC is what influences your mind and the CBD is what helps you. And so many times it's prescribed and there's a higher volume of the CBD to help you. In, in those areas of weakness, in the areas where it can, provide ailment, uh, it can provide a benefit to your body. And so that's something that you could present to God. And if it's for the intention of helping your body and using the CBD qualities of it, then, hey, man, that might be good for you. That might be good for you. But to, to constantly take something that's going to constantly alter your mind may be you walking around the tree for a li literally walking and smoking the tree a little bit too much. <laughs> And so, again, I, I, here's what I do say. The Bible does condemn drunkardness. The Bible does condemn drunk, drunkardness. Um, but it doesn't condemn drinking alcohol. It condemns drunkardness because it affects your mind. And the Bible says, be sober-minded. He goes, don't be drunk with wine. It says, be filled with the Spirit. You could use the same thing for weed, for marijuana. Don't be high off the tree. <laughs> be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Be sober-minded because there's an adversary after you. There's an adversary, and if that creates vulnerability in you. Uh, and the next question, we're just going to fast forward, is smoking cigarettes. Now, again, when it comes to what does the Bible say about smoking cigarettes? Zero. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. In first. Thessalonians, nothing. But the Bible does talk about your body. The Bible talks about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you ask the question, is smoking a cigarette a sin? No, it's not. Is it damaging to your body? Yes, it is. And so are you allowed to smoke cigarettes if you follow Jesus? Yes, you are. But are you assigned to smoke cigarettes? Probably not because it's not for your purpose. Does that make sense? Again, so you're going to go straight to heaven. We're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, is it a sign for you? Amen? Amen? Amen. We're going to jump into the very next question, and this is Reuben. Reuben, is it a sin to curse? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I, what I love about what we're talking about, um, and even, even in my first, my, my first phases as a believer, as I grew, uh, what I learned is it, it's always more than what you're asking. Like, 
like, is it a sin? Is it a sin? And, and I found that whenever you turn to the Bible, you find that the Bible will um, take your question further. And so, uh, you know, I've asked that question, hey, is it a sin to curse? Hey, is it a sin to smoke cigarettes? Hey, is it a sin to smoke weed? And, and you'll even in, you, you see what these scriptures are. They're constantly elevating the question. And so, and so here we're asking, is it a sin to curse? But when we, so we look to the scriptures, right? We have our steps. Let's look to the scriptures. And so Ephesians 4, verse 29 says this. Do we have it up there? Um, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then James 3, 9, and I, I think James is just a tough writer. Um, and so James 3, 9, he's talking to, about the mouth. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, our mouths, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things are not to be so. And so what, what you see, the Bible is saying, hey, it's not even about cursing. So is it a sin to curse? The Bible is like, <laughs> we, I mean, because at the end of the day, if it's a sin to curse, well, we can replace all the curse words, right? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how many examples I could give, but how many times do we, ah, oh, sugar, honey, iced tea, uh, shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> um, Trisha, <laughs> uh, she always goes, oh, mother, father. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. We can replace these words. They're so easy. How many of you, and so without words, how many of you, oh man, how many of you have done this to somebody? You'd be like, mm, you give them the ring finger instead of the middle finger. And so you've effectively, right, you've, you've not cursed. Yeah. But the issue there, th there's a couple issues with cursing. The issue there is, well, we've replaced the word, but our, our heart is the same. Our intent is to curse someone. And so if I call someone a mother father, whether they are a mother or a father is irrelevant. What I mean to say, um, mine is fudge. I'll, I'll fudge, fudge it. Um, and, and so, um, and so, so with that, like our heart is there. And so Ephesians, I, I love the way that Ephesians is saying, say, hey, let's, let's go beyond that. Let no corrupting talk. So I, I think the question we really ought to be asking rather than is it okay to curse is, Am I giving grace to those who hear? Wow. Is, is the person around me being blessed by my words? Yeah. Who, and then James says it, right? We bless God, but then we curse others. Wow. And so, so whether my words are offensive or bad, and so with that comes the second issue. Uh, curse, what, what is a curse? Curses are so subjective. I know that uh, in, if you're in Puerto Rico, and you say a certain Spanish word, you're just giving someone directions. Uh, but if you go to Dominican Republic, you're telling them to do something, like, you know, like you're, you're offending them. Yeah. And then if, if you go to another country, you, you're describing a, a, a bad thing, a bad body part or whatever. And so these same, so in, in Spanish culture, we don't have that so much in English, but these same words that are used in everyday vernacular, becomes so subjective, and so that's why it's important, and that's why I love the Bible takes it further and says, hey, we're not talking about what words are off limits. We're talking about what is your heart attempting to do? And because at the end of the day, too, with, with the subject, subjection, right, you cannot be, you, you could just stub your toe. Oh, I stubbed my toe, and so I'm not cursing someone. I might, you might be cursing that Lego piece uh, <laughs> that you stepped on. But at the end of the day, and I think that comes to with all things are, benef uh, all things are permissible but not beneficial. It comes to, hey, am I giving grace to those who hear? Now? Yeah. Um, and I remember a story. It, it, it revolves around the alcohol question, but I think it applies to so many areas. Um, and I, it applies to this area. A professor of mine, he was one time a youth leader. And he, he loved beer uh, before he was a Christian. He loved alcohol. Um, and then he became a Christian and, you know, it was taboo. He didn't know how to go around it. And he found non-alcoholic beer. Mm. And so he, he was like, oh, I got non-alcoholic beer. That's awesome. I love beer. He was excited. He showed his wife. 
Um, he brought it home. It was in the fridge. And, and, he, and he tells her this, and she's like, babe, I just, I just want to put some perspective for you. And lovingly, she tells him, she's like, we have, we have kids who are going to come here and be in our house. How many of them do you think have alcoholic fathers and, and struggle with alcoholism and are going to go into your fridge and not read that it's non-alcoholic beer? And, and May touched on causing someone to stumble. And, and so even the replacement words, even yeah. I, I'm, I try so hard to with people who are close to me, friends, family, like I, I try to stay away from even kidding around. Oh, you're so stupid. Oh, oh, I how many how easy and this this is American culture. How easy for us to go. Oh, I hate I hate that. I yeah. hate Pepsi. I hate soda. And hate is such a strong, strong word that we use so so regularly, and, and the Bible talks about how our words have so much power. Actually, the Bible commands us to call things uh, not as they are, but call them into existence. Yeah. Speak life over yourself. And I, I work with uh, kids, and in working with kids, I've appreciated kids more because before that, I, they were just things I tripped over. Um, <laughs> I almost, I almost tripped over Violet today. Um, <laughs> so I'm still learning. But I've, I've then watched parents, and how many times as parents do we not speak life over our kids? We're not cursing, mm. but we're saying, oh, you're, you're an idiot. Oh, are you, I remember I was in the barbershop getting my hair cut, and it, like, my heart hurt because I saw somebody, his kid did, he messed up, he did something bad, and his father calls him, he goes, come here right now. And immediately, he's not even saying anything, but his tone is just crazy. He's like, come here right now. And he's like, are you stupid? This is like a seven-year-old kid. He's like, are you stupid? Wow. And the kid's crying. He's like, no, no. He's like, then, then why would you do that? And, and he didn't curse, right? He didn't say anything that gets bleeped on TV. But how, how many of us would agree that that was way worse than him saying any curse word in stubbing his toe? Mm. Like, how, how affected is that kid? How, how yeah. affected are we? And so, so the question we need to ask ourselves, and so the answer is, is it a, is it, is it a sin to curse? <laughs> it's a sin to do a lot more. It's wrong for us to speak any way that's corrupting and any way that doesn't give grace to those who hear. And we always, we're not perfect. We are human. People cut us off in traffic. Yeah. I'm a, when Most I drive, of my sins are in my car. <laughs> when I drive, I'm, I'm over the line. So I'm sure people are cursing at me. <laughs> but we always want to strive to reflect Christ. And we want to be aware of how powerful this thing in our mouths yeah, is. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Amen. 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 How many of you that was good? Hey, we're going to jump forward to our last question. We had still two more questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to send this out on an email. So if you're signed up to our newsletter, we're going to finish off uh, these questions in our email. And so we're, we want to we want to answer this question in particular. We're, these are the sexually the sexual immoral questions. Um, and if we have that up on the screen, is it a sin to have sex before marriage? Is it a sin to masturbate? It, it, it's so awkward because I spelled that word wrong and I had to send an email to Dyron to correct that word. And I was just like, awkward email, but can you just correct the spelling on the word? <laughs> terrible. Is it a sin to watch porn and movies with nudity? And so we want to answer these questions as best as possible. And uh, May, what does the Bible have to say about uh, having sex before marriage? Yay. <laughs> I gave you all the tough ones. <laughs> and when we sat in our meeting, I was like, great. Really? <laughs> um, but it made me think, right, um, especially in our culture, you know, especially in our culture and how we have evolved as a culture in our society. Um, so the Bible says this, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 7, 2. It says, but because of temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Uh, further in 1 Corinthians, it says, flee sexual immorality, every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sin immorality, sexual immorality sins against his own body. And that's heavy, right? And... So I started thinking to myself, because I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, so let me start off by saying, what is the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage, according to the Bible, is 
the union, the covenant union between a man and a woman to procreate. Do we, can we agree with that? Amen? Yeah. Amen. So as I was thinking even further than that, I was thinking about um, sexual immorality and what is, where does that fit in into the whole equation. And I, I was looking some stuff up because it's very difficult. It gets very uncomfortable the way you guys are staring at me, how quiet it got in here. <laughs> they don't make it easy, right? <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so the answer here is, is sex before marriage uh, is sex before marriage a sin? And the Bible clearly states that it is. But what is the reason, right? We all know that God made everything with purpose. And there was a reason for that. Yeah. And as I, have, and as I started looking up some stuff, especially about sexual immorality, and sexual immorality really has to do with giving away, uh, giving away of yourself, your, your purity in itself. Um, and then I started to think to myself, I said, Lord, okay, that makes sense, but what if we're in a loving relationship, and what if, you know, we've been together for 50 years, you know, like, where does that leave everybody? And the truth is that the Bible does not say, does not speak about anything else but covenant and not in covenant. Mm. That is it. Wow. And... It's difficult because I think if, when we start to think about it, because we are, especially in our society where it's really free, and it's really freeing, and we have, you know, and I've, I'm guilty, guys. I was a teen mom. Man, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> you know, I was a teen mom, and yeah. um, and I know what that, what it is. I know what hormones look like. I know what all that raging stuff happens. I get it, you know. Um, I don't, and just, just for disclaimer, I don't look like I'm a teen mom, but I am. No, you don't. Okay. I have an 18-year-old in college. So, so and the purpose of having a marriage is really this. So when we go back to sexual immorality, it really talks about giving of yourself, right? I said that yeah. already. Yeah. And then I started thinking to myself, and this is what popped into my head, and I said, wow, Lord, I said, you are so good. Because if that is the, specific, the, the specifics on sexual immorality about giving yourself away, Outside of marriage, that's what happens when we have sex outside of marriage. We may not understand it, but our hearts, our hearts and pieces of us are given away every time we have sex outside of a covenant. Mm. And then when we get to the right person, we wonder why we give ourselves in parts to that person. Yeah. Wow. And I said, wow, Lord, you are so good. You are so good because you created this sexual intimacy within a covenant between a man and a woman because you knew the damage that it would cause outside of that. Yeah. And, how many, and, and how many young teenagers and how many older women and how many young men and how many, you know, they, they struggle with this idea because they feel like, you know, if I'm not having sex, it's, it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not cool or, you know, or they get pushed or they get bullied into thinking that you have to be a man or you have to be a woman. And, you know, and when I, I, honestly, when I look at young females who have had multiple partners, I don't judge them and say, hey, oh, how dare you? I'm more like, wow, like, if you only knew your worth. Mm. If you only knew your worth. Yeah. If you understood your worth and what God took and knitted you to, right? We know, like, the, the Psalms say, like, he knitted us in our wombs. The other day I watched a, a, a five-minute, a seven-minute video on what happens inside the womb. And it is so powerful how every single connector happens. Yeah. Every single thing within you is connected. And then I thought about that. I said, wow, Lord. I said, and you did that. Wow. You designed us that way. Wow. You took the time in our mother's womb to prepare us, to make sure we're whole, so to make sure that we're born into this world that has its faults. But you made sure that you prepared us to be, to be perfect yeah. and to be unique. And, and that's really where it sits. So I... I you know, in our society today, they think, hey, test the waters, you know, move in together. You know, I'm telling you, God knows I wasn't a saint. You know, me and John lived together for two and a half years before we got married. Kept it holy. What? <laughs> 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 you know what? I wish we would have. And I'm going to tell you why. And with this, I'm going to close. When me, when me and John, when me and John gave I'm just finding this out now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> when John and I gave ourselves over to Christ after two and a half years of living together, and we decided, hey, we need to become celibate from this move, this place forward. When we decided we were going to get married, it was difficult. You're already used to certain things. We had to switch up our whole routine. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. 
But I will say this, and as crazy as it sounds, the day we got married and we were going up to our hotel room, me and John are sitting in the elevator with butterflies in our stomach. Right? Because we had, we had you know, we, we had tried to keep it as, together as much as possible, right? And I'm like, and I'm looking at him in the elevator, and I'm like, do you feel what I feel? And he's like, do you have butterflies? I said, I feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. And when we, you know, and of course, when we became intimate as husband and wife, babe, I'm sorry, I didn't even talk to you about that. But when we, <laughs> but when we became intimate as husband we and wife, Jeremiah's we ears? were able to, I know, I forgot Jeremiah's there too. Oh my God. <laughs> but, Look at him, he can't stop staring at you. When we, but we, when we became intimate as husband and wife, we felt the difference because we had decided, and that's the beauty of Jesus. Yeah. That's the so beauty good. of Jesus when he redeems. So good. You know? Yes. So good. And, you know, then we, you know, we got googly eyes after that. You know, we got all excited. Yeah. But, you know, but it was not, it was, we felt the difference. You know, there's something about seeing a ring on that man's finger, that, that yeah. woman's finger, that you're going to be do life with for the rest of your life. Yeah. And becoming yeah. physically one yeah. at that precise moment. So good. Amen. 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 It's so good. Um, and, you know, you know oh, we got to test the car before we drive it. And, and there's this, a lot of this stuff like, you know, we got to see if we're sexually compatible. And so we have to have sex before we're married because I can't be. And you really miss out on the message in the heart. Yeah. You really miss out on it. Because, listen, if, if, imagine you're, you're a father and the guy that wants to marry your wife says, hey, listen, I need to sleep with your daughter to see if we're sexually compatible. That's when I go Old Testament. Pick up your rock. You just see things differently, right? And so it's not just, let me tell you something. First of all, if you're looking to be sexually compatible with some, someone, you're really going to compare them to someone else that you've been with. Because if you've given yourself to this person wholly, guess what? You begin to grow and develop, and you don't know what's wrong is wrong, and you don't know what's right is right. So even the things that might not be so good are actually good to you because it's the only person that you've been. Preach. Preach. You begin to experiment and you begin to create your own chemistry. Yeah. Wow. I don't care how incompatible you think you are with a person. Let me tell you, when love is in that relationship, when love is in that relationship, I've been married to Lisa seven years. Yeah, awkward. And I'm going to keep it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Amen. And Jeremiah sitting back there. And... <laughs> And we'll answer this last question as the worship team comes up. Can we give it up for Ruben and Maylene Miranda? I know I'm a little, we're, we're a little past our time, but um, uh, the, the question is, is, is masturbation a sin? Well, what does the Bible say about it? In Job chapter 31 Look what it says. It says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And here's the thing. So what does the Bible say about masturbation? Well, nothing. There's actually no scripture. And again, this might get a little, this gets awkward sometimes because sometimes it's real personal and no one talks about this. But this is actually, I think that there's two things that the church has run away from. And it's money and it's sex. When God, think about this, God invented sex. Hello. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And so we shy away, we run away from it when God invented it. And so if there's a subject that the church should talk about is our finances, and there's a conversation that we should have is about sex. Amen? And so you ask the question, well, is masturbation a sin? Well, in the Bible, the Bible does not speak at all about masturbation. Um... So as far as the Bible is concerned, the physical act of masturbation is not found in the scripture. Now, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and for 10 years, I saw young people, I'm talking about 99%, this is statistics, 99% of young people from ages 13 to about 25 masturbate, 99%, okay? 99%, okay? I know the other 1% is in this room, fine. 
statistically 99%. And I saw kids condemn themselves and, and give up on God because they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop. So they would condemn themselves. Now here's the thing. Masturbation in the scriptures is not there. So it's not a sin to masturbate. But what is a sin is to lust. And here's the problem. I don't know if there's masturbation without lust. Because the Bible raises the standard and the Bible says that if you look at a, at a person with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. And that word adultery is actually the word sexual immorality, which is any type of sexual activity between a husband, outside of a husband and a wife. Okay? So fornication, sexual immorality is any type of sexual activity outside of a husband and a wife. And so when you say his masturbation is sin, well, maybe the physical act of masturbation is not a sin. Now, I don't know if there's a possible way of doing it without having lust in your mind and in your heart. And it could become very addictive. And at that point, it becomes idolatry. And so I've seen people be mastered. Paul says, I will not be mastered by anything. And I've seen people ruin their lives, be mastered by it. And it, it answers the other question, is pornography a sin? Pornography, watching pornography is having, watching someone else um, have sexual activity, whether it's a man or woman. Um, so when you're doing that, you're absolutely having lust in your heart. As a matter of fact, it's for the purpose of sexual pleasure. And so the Bible is clear on that. Jesus says, he says it clear. He says, if you look at a woman, because people would, people would at the, at the line, well, I'm not committing adultery. I'm married. I'm not doing the physical act. So I'm good. I'm just around the tree. And he says, no, no, no. If you're looking at another woman and you see her naked and you're visualizing her, if you're looking at another man and you're, and you're lusting after that man, and you've already committed adultery. You've committed the act in your heart. You've already done it. And so when, when you're asking the question, hey, is pornography a sin is masturbation a sin well maybe masturbation the isolated like I don't know if people masturbate thinking about trucks that might not be a sin but that might be really weird but it's very unlikely that you can disassociate them it's like a two-sided coin masturbation goes along with lust now, masturbation in a marriage, outside of marriage, any act outside of a marriage is adultery. Any sexual act. It doesn't even have to be sexual. It could be emotional adultery. You could be emotionally stimulated by someone else that's not your husband and wife, and guess what? You could be committing adultery. And if women are here, you know that sometimes it's more hurtful when a man gets emotionally hung up with another woman than the, than the actual act of having sex with another woman. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. That when we answer this question, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? I don't want us to think about getting to the edge of what's allowed. The question is not how close can we get to the tree without eating its fruit? That's not the question. The question is how close can we get to the tree? Watch, watch how powerful this is. You know why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden? Because God himself said, we must close the garden because if they eat and reach of the tree of life, which is the tree that they were able to eat from, they will never die. So all this time they were eating from a fruit that would just give them life. And at one point they decided to eat from a tree that would take away their life. I don't want to get so close to the tree, even though I'm allowed to. I'm, I want to get to the tree of life. And so here you have 4,000 years later, Jesus comes and he dies on a tree, on the tree of life. So much so that the guy that was next to him, he said, he says, would you remember me? And Jesus tells him, this night, my friend, you will be with me in paradise. That word paradise is translated into garden life. It's Jesus saying, you're going to be with me, and I'm going to return you back to the place before there ever was sin in the first place. 
I don't want to just live a life that allows me to commit sin and still go to heaven. I want to live a life that is constantly escorting heaven to earth. Can we stand up on our feet today? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.